Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Laughing Place podcast. Uh, we are recording on May 16th, 2018. My name is Fanboy. We've got Alex. Hello. And Kyle. Hello. And as all Disney podcasts are going to do this week, it is our ABC show. Woo-woo. <laughs> but we're also going to talk solo, and I'm sure for some park stuff uh, as well. So um, how's everybody doing? You guys have a good week? Yeah. Yeah, it's been all right. It's only Wednesdays. I guess it is. It feels like it's. Yeah, I say okay. So a little Tuesday, Black Panther came out on Blu-ray. We mm-hmm. had the ESPN up front, the ABC up front. Mm-hmm. There was a coach release of Disney bags. The Disney Parks streamed. Remember forever or what's it called? The Together Pixar forever. Show. Together forever, and it was an Anaheim City Council meeting day. So it was a busy day. Today, not so much. being the one person that they live streamed the Anaheim City Council meetings for. That can't be true. I bet it is. There's some local government beat reporter that also couldn't make it and needed it. He did the beats. <laughs> I don't even think, like, it's funny because, like, there's a lot of drama that goes on there, but it never makes the OC register, which makes me think OC register does not have an Anaheim beat reporter. Because, like, whenever something happens with Anaheim City Council, it always, like, pops up in the paper four days later. Like, like they were re-watching it later. But in any case, and we're not going to talk about the ESPN up front because, I don't know, there's not a lot of... I mean, you can read all about it on leftinplace.com. Well, so we get, we have the ABC schedule for the fall. Uh, one thing that I would say that is noticeable that's not about new shows coming to ABC is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will not air until summer 2019. So, essentially, the season finale will air on Friday, and we will not get another episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, for quite frankly, any ABC series, uh, Marvel, any Marvel ABC series, until after Infinity War, whatever, to... I have a question. Yeah. Well, by that time, Disney will have their over-the-top streaming service, Mm-hmm. And if all goes well with the Fox acquisition, majority ownership in Hulu. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is really going to ABC? I think so, because I don't think they're going to start. Like, I'm sure there'll be new Marvel series on the OTT. OTT. And, you know, Marvel has runaways. Um, but I think they won't. They will want to have, like, a new Marvel show. Kind of how, like... They didn't just extend Clone Wars to Disney XD when okay. they bought Clone. You know, they want something new and fresh. Do you think it'll be a shorter season then? Yeah, it's or... going to be 13 episodes. Okay. And, and some, you know, so yes, c- they clearly want to <laughs> do as little damage to their schedule as possible. It was interesting because, I mean, the show does well in delayed viewing and it does well internationally. So it's like they still want to make episodes for those purposes, but just not a big enough ratings draw for the schedule. And, you know, so just to get it out there, some people were questioning, well, is this just a way to avoid any Infinity War? You know, I mean, you've seen the end of Infinity War. You kind of know why that might be weird. Um, and they said, no, it was really ABC's decision. So the folks at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would probably come up with a full way to do it either way. And they ended up just putting it up to su- off till summer. Because hmm. Clark Gregg is currently filming Captain Marvel. And so some people are like, well, is it because he's too busy filming that? Apparently not. Um, so it was just ABC just 
At least that's what they're saying publicly. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, the ratings aren't great, so it's not like it was some, you know, ma- massive hit that they're shelving for some unknown reason. It's like, yeah, it just, yeah, it it just doesn't do well. It was on Friday nights, so they're going to move it to summer and only do 13. Like, yeah, that, that's what you do when you want to save face on a, a project that would probably be dead if it weren't for the larger synergy. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is that they're not saying it's a final season. Because usually they'll say, like, okay, we'll do a shortened final season to kind of wrap things up. Because, you know, it's nice when these shows have closure and not just end with a cliffhanger like every season that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does. But let's talk about the new shows. So we have some new comedies, some new dramas. I believe there are seven new shows. And I'm going to go in alphabetical order. So first is The Fix. Uh, Attorney and author Marsha Clark co-writes and executive produces a new legal drama about Maya Travis, an L.A. district attorney who suffers a devastating defeat when prosecuting an A-list actor for double murder. With her high-profile career derailed, she flees for a quieter life in Washington. Eight years later, when the same celebrity is under suspicion for another murder, Maya Travis is lured back to the DA's office for another chance at justice. Does that story sound similar to any real-life things to anyone? <laughs> I gotta say, so the, I I know, so this is Kyle's most anticipated drama, and he is the only, so we had Fanboy, which is me, Alex, Kyle, and our last season's champion, Marshall, uh, predict the show. Kyle's the only one who said it'd be a hit. Kyle also says this is most anticipated drama. It just it just feels like revenge television. Like but it, Marcia it's Clark so is weird like, to me, and that's why I'm excited yet. about it. <laughs> like, how funny if like it ends and that like the big reveal at the end is that he didn't do it. <laughs> that true. would. But uh, it's so like, I was watching. I was at a friend's house, which is the only reason I would watch something like this. And she has that show where she like investigates a murder, and she you know plays all like investigative journalism, you know, um, and. She, it's. I mean, we can talk. I mean, the O.J. Simpson trial was eons ago, and you know he has not apparent. You know he has not had issues in society since that trial, but it just really comes off as like bitter party of one. Yeah. Alex, do you have any this, thoughts? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. I was at the same time. It's like it is somewhat relevant. She has kind of, not just the case, but her specifically since uh, that FX series uh, a year or two ago. Um, so I think there's public opinions change on her a lot. So I don't, I don't know if it'll be as big of a factor. Like, I think it's interesting for people like us that see that that's from her. I think that'll only be a story for the first couple weeks. And I, I don't know. I think it'll have to stand on its own after that for better or for worse. So I still think it could be an interesting show. Yeah, it could be. And I just, like I wish they would kind of push back the Marsha Clarkness of it, and just let it be a show. You know, I mean, it probably gets hype. You know, it's good for getting attention, but you know, it also is she is when when you say someone like that is co-writing, it gets me nervous because they're not a te- you know she's not a television writer she's an attorney. Yeah, I don't I don't have television writers represent me in court when I commit double murder. <laughs> 
Which, more often than you think. Yeah, you got that right. Alex, you got anything to say about this one? Not really, other than, you know, it seems like they've had a show like this pretty much every mid-season for the past how many years? Missing! Um, and then often... the valley. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, you know, that was another one where I was interested more so based on the cast, like 10 Days in the Valley got me into it because of Kira Sedgwick, um, but then it just didn't, you know, didn't get any traction. Did that one even make it through its run on ABC? Didn't they dump all the rest of the episodes on streaming? I think they just put it on, like, Saturday or Sunday or something, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I gave, I, like, gave up on it when I realized, like, second weekend that this wasn't going to last. And I was just like, okay, it's done getting my attention because I, uh, I'm just sort of, uh, I, like, I've, I've become very, very selective with what I will commit to. Yeah, and these things we always have to put what our first cancel will be. And I wanted to just put nothing because they don't really pull shows anymore. They just like, no, no, it's not dead. We're just going to move it to Saturdays and play the rest of the episodes. And so they don't, you know, nothing's really canceled until the end of the season. But yeah, how like di- how no one's really dead until you see a body. Exactly. Uh, how disappointed is uh, Marsha Clark that How to Get Away with Murder was already taken? <laughs> she should have she should have just named the show instead of the fix if he did it <laughs> okay next we got grand hotel also mid-season not the hotel you're thinking about it's actually set in miami where evan longoria executive produces this bold provocative drama set at the last family-owned hotel in multicultural miami beach charismatic santiago mendoza owns the hotel while with his while his glamorous second wife Gigi uh, and their adult children enjoy the spoils of success. The hotel's loyal staff round out a contemporary, fresh take on an upstairs-downstairs story. Wealthy and beautiful guests bask in luxury, but scandals, escalating debt, and explosive secrets hide behind the picture-perfect exterior. So, Alex, you're the only one who said this was a hit. However, Marshall does say it's his most anticipated drama. Despite claiming it as a miss. Yeah, well, he's, he's saying he's excited about it, but it won't, you know, sometimes the shows you're excited about, you know, have no mass appeal. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this one, I mean, it's been a long time since there's, I think it's a fresh sort of setting uh, to have it in a hotel. The last show that I can think of that did that was, um, and, and only marginally so, was Jane the Virgin, um, which did pretty well. I think that in a hotel? I thought you were going to um, say Sweet Life. Well, so, well, that was Disney Channel, but um, Golden Palace? on Jane the Virgin, I think it was the second season and like majority of it was in a hotel because I think that's where she worked. Like she was a, a housekeeper as per profession. Um, but uh, and then it was like it was like a Paris Hilton, but a male that was the the love interest. Um, but I think I think the concept is fun. I think the cast looks really great. Um and also, I mean, I mean, it's I guess I'm drawing too many similarities to Jane the Virgin, but I feel like there's not many primetime shows right now with a Latino cast. So I think this will be fun. I think a lot of people will get into it. I'm trying to think. I guess you're right. <laughs> Next, we have at it's going to air Tuesdays, 830, 730 Central. The kids are all right. Set in the 1970s, this ensemble comedy follows a traditional Irish Catholic family, the Clearies, 
as they navigate big and small changes during one of America's most turbulent decades. In a working-class neighborhood outside of Los Angeles, Mike and Peggy rate eight boisterous boys who live out their days with little supervision. The household is turned upside down when the oldest son, Lawrence, returns home and announces he's quitting the seminary to go off and save the world. Things are changing, and this family will never be the same. There are ten people, three bedrooms, one bathroom, and everyone's in it for themselves. So this is Alex and Kyle's first pick for I'm sorry, pick for first canceled. Marshall and I say it's a hit, and it is my most anticipated comedy, with the caveat that I was not really excited about any of the comedies. Or <laughs> I was gonna like say, any of the explain dramas. yourself. <laughs> um, so I mean, it's it, it. I don't know if this is gonna be like the real Neils two in the seventies. It, it to me, it sounds like. It sounds like one of those comedies that's not really a comedy, like The Wonder Years, because like just the by definition that they're setting it in turbulent times and and one of their sons goes off to quote unquote save the world, which I I knowing that time frame I perceive to mean he becomes a hippie, like he becomes as unlike them as possible, um, for who they're kind of assumed to be based on that definition, and just none of the like it, it all sounds too much the fact that it's a show that's set in turbulent times and i feel like we're in turbulent times makes me not really want to watch it did you watch the trailer i did not i didn't so, so with my so picks, i only read the captions they, um, I didn't when they watch when in the trailer they're talking about water like the hippie son is like talking about watergate and then the dad says that that what i you know what i think about watergate it's fake news mm. so you know i can see what they're trying to do there Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I'm in a hole like this. <laughs> Kyle, anything? No, I just, like you were saying, like, when I read the first sentence of that, I was like, didn't we already do this one? <laughs> so, yeah, I also, what you're, like, as far as picking most anticipated this time around, uh, wasn't so easy. Oh, I had, a, I had, like, an obvious most anticipated, but we'll get to that. Next, we have a drama at Wednesdays, 10, 9 Central, A Million Little Things. But it's okay if you call it ABC's uh, This Is Us. Yeah. Uh, it's called They Say Friendship Isn't One Big Thing. It's a Million Little Things. And that's true for a group of group of friends from Boston who are bonded under the under, unexpected oh, circumstances. Boston. Some have achieved success. Others are struggling in their careers and relationships. But all of them feel stuck in the middle. No, wait. Stuck in life. After one of them dies unexpectedly, because it's suicide, it's just the wake-up call the others need to finally start living. Along the way, they discover that friends may be the one thing to save them from themselves. So this is Alex and I's most anticipated drama, Marshall's pick for first canceled, and Marshall's the only one to say this show is going to be a mess. I almost made this my most anticipated as well, mostly just because of uh, James Roday. Yeah, so. from Psych Fame, if you are not familiar, which has a major Disney connection. But however, I digress. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, once again, not loving the slate this year, and but it just seemed like the least retready of all the ABC dramas. I mean, it's or a retread it of a, 
Right, yeah, it's a retread of another network's drama, but I'm like with Grand Hotel, it just feels like another one of those shows where, you know, hot people get in trouble. Yes. The, the the fix is that you know, a woman tries to solve a crime show that ABC high highly serialized show that ABC has been trying to do forever. The rookie is Castle, um, so I don't know. Um, so it just seemed the the most different, I guess. Uh, next we have The Rookie, which will air at Tuesdays, nine, 10, 9 central. Uh, starting over isn't easy, especially for small-town guy John Nolan, Nathan Fillion, who, after a life-altering incident, is pursuing his dream of being an LAPD officer. As the force's oldest rookie, he's met with skepticism from some higher-ups who see him as just, walk- uh, just, as just a walking midlife crisis. If he can't keep up with the young cops and the criminals, he'll be risking lives, including his own. But if he can use his life experience, determination, and sense of humor to give him an edge, he may just become a success in this new chapter of his life. I have this as a miss. Alex, Kyle, and Marshall have it as a hit. I uh, just don't believe that Nathan Fielding can play 40 years old. Um, I watch American Housewife, uh, which is one of my favorite ABC comedies. And there was recently a really spectacular episode um, where the the mom on the show had promised um, for a fundraiser that she was going to get Nathan Fillion um, to uh, to be at the the event, and then had to go and like beg him to do it. Like she stalked him and found him, and it was it was just such a a funny thing that I'm excited to see. I I, I never watched Castle. I've seen Nathan Fillion in a few other little things, but um, I, I think this sounds fun. You know. Uh... It was funny because he was on two ABC comedies that night, uh, American Housewife and something else. And so they actually announced the pickup of this series before they announced any other pickups to kind of like tie into it. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you uh, I, I mean, if I, I assume if you're a Castle fan or a Firefly fan, there were probably some uh, jokes in that episode of American Housewife because he was playing himself and he played like uh, like the douchey person that you would expect a Nathan Fillion type to be. I'm assuming he's not really that way, and that's probably part mm-hmm. of the, the humor. But Kyle, you said hit. Yeah, I mean, mostly just because I mean, it got a slightly earlier pickup, and it's got Nathan Fillion, and Castle lasted way, hung around on TV before for years before I ever knew it was a thing, and way after I realized it was a thing. So, um, you know, give it a shot. Next, we have Schooled midseason. The Goldberg spinoff will be set in 1990-something and follow the hilarious teachers of William Penn Academy, led by Tim Meadows, Brian Callen, and A.J. Michalka, who, despite their eccentricities, besides their differences and crazy personal lives, are heroes to their students. This is Alex and Marshall's most anticipated comedy. I am the one person to say it's a miss, and I'd like to point out that with this series, ABC will have a show set in the 1970s. 1980s and 1990s. Well, this is mid-season, and the other one is is <laughs> good fall, right? Point. So I don't think the three decades will actually collide. They should do like put them all on the same night and just like and in that lineup, in yeah. And then they should quickly whip together something that takes place in the early 2000s. When when does or it... just rerun popular? Popular. I wanna be. Um. 
So, uh, so I mean, it's a Goldberg spinoff. It features the coach and the, well, I guess he's a counselor and he gets promoted to principal. And uh, Barry Goldberg's um, girlfriend, who was part of Ally and AJ, if you remember that. Well, yes, um, this is the AJ of Ally and AJ, and it's not so much if you remember it because they're back. And independent, and no longer Hollywood <laughs> Records. But they're back, and they're good, and you should listen to them. And she's finally playing her age. Um, is she though? Well, she's not like forty. How old? She's a teacher. She can be anything from. Oh, she's a teacher in this. Yeah. Wow. Let me look up how old she is. She's twenty-seven years old. Okay, yeah, she could be a teacher. Yeah. Oh, the other. The, the main daughter on the show is 24 years old, and Allie is 29. How time um, flies. Phil, Phil, Phil of the future. Single Parents is going to air Wednesdays at 9.30, 8.30 Central, my favorite time slot. It's an ensemble, ensemble comedy that follows a group of single parents as they lean on each other to help raise their seven-year-old kids and maintain some kind of personal lives outside of parenthood. The series begins when the group meets Will. A 30-something guy who's been so focused on raising his daughter that he's lost sight of who he is as a man. When the other single parents see just how far down the rabbit hole of PTA, parenting, and princesses Will has gone, they band together to get him out in the dating world and make him realize that being a great parent doesn't mean sacrificing everything about your own identity. This is Kyle's most anticipated comedy. This is my perk pick for uh, first canceled fanboy that's me and Alex say miss Kyle Marshall say hit. Uh, I I don't know. I just figured it. The it world seems like it has there. a lot going on. Um, personally, like it's like in and then I hadn't even seen the pictures when I when the, well the the one image uh, when I read the description and made my opinion. But seeing the image even there's just so many kids and I feel like. I feel like there's just too many characters crammed into this, but I will say the one the one thing I did sort of debate it that that kept me thinking maybe this would be a hit is I really like Sed Night Live and I like seeing their alumni go on to do other things, and this one stars Taryn Killam, best known as um, Agent Maria Hill's husband. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. And it's also the same reason that I chose this as my most anticipated was mainly because of him. So. Oh. Yeah, because was, of his actual work or because he's agent? Um, because, I actually, Hills. because I actually enjoy him. Oh. <laughs> I too enjoyed him on Saturday Night Live. Would like to see him succeed. He has a nine-year-old daughter. With um, a beer. Oh. What's that? Yes. They got married in 20, two, January 2009. I'm sorry. They got married in September 2012, and they had a daughter in May 2009. <laughs> Next, we have a show that I got a story about. Uh, it's the last show midseason, Whiskey Cavalier. Whiskey Cavalier is a high-octane, hour-long action dramedy that follows the adventures of tough but tender FBI super agent Will Chase, codename Whiskey Cavalier, played by Scott Foley. Following an emotional breakup, Chase is assigned to work with a bad butt CIA operative, Francesca Frankie Trowbridge, codename Fiery Tribune, played by Lauren Cohen. Together, they have lead an interagency team of flawed, funny, and heroic spies who periodically save the world and each other 
while navigating the rocky roads of friendship, romance, and office politics. Now I want ice cream. So fanboy said miss, Alex said miss, Kyle said hit, Marshall said hit. So I here's I got a story. <laughs> I just bet on TV Scott Foley. <laughs> TV Scott Foley. <laughs> so so I'm watching the upfront right, and you know midway through Jimmy Kimmel comes out and does this bit where he kind of roasts the whole process as well as ABC's lineup, and he completely starts mocking Whiskey Cavalier and says it's like the worst name of a TV series since Cougar Town. Really? And I like, like that. It, yeah, and he's like, "Good night, everybody," and Whiskey Cavalier, and it's this was like he just kept mocking the name of the show. So then Channing Dungey the head of ABC Entertainment, uh, comes out and, like, she starts talking and she finishes up and she starts, you know, she goes through each new show and suddenly everyone starts laughing and she looks behind her and it's because they popped up the logo Whiskey Cavalier uh, as the next show they're going to talk about. And she goes, like, I'm going to get you, Jimmy. And then Scott Foley comes out and he just can't lose it because, I mean, he can't keep it together because he's still laughing at the fact that Whiskey that Jimmy Kimmel just completely roasted this show. <laughs> well, it's nice to see he's got a sense of humor about, uh, you know, his career's future prospects. So, but Scott Foley is, like, the guy who, like, he's not ever not been on TV, right? I don't know. I felt like I felt like after sort of the early aughts, I didn't see him again until Scandal. So, well, he was on Felicity from 1998 to 2002. Didn't watch it. He was on... He guest starred on Scrubs uh, for that. for eight for uh, 2002 to 2009. He guest star he was he was on four episodes of Cougar Town from 2009 to 2010. Does he exclusively work ABC? But, uh, from 2010 to 2012, he was on 15 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Wow, get this man a Disney Then he was on Scandal from 2013 to 2018. And a People's Choice nominee for favorite dramatic TV actor, and he was also he was also on a show called Undateable as TV Scott Foley for four episodes. As in, was that a reality show? No, it took sitcom, but he played himself or a version of himself. They called him TV Scott Foley. Is that the one with Good Luck Charlie? Uh, Bridget Mendler. Oh, yeah. I did. I watched the live episode of that. To see Disney Channel's Bridget Mendler. You're right. They did a live episode in the second season, and then their third season was all live. Hmm. Created by, or uh, not created by, but executive produced by Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs. Oh. They did a whole season of live? Yeah. That's amazing. Yep, it was the first time since Rock. Wow. Did they also live? I remember that on Fox. Did they also like live turn at the turn to the camera at some point and go, please tell your friends about our show? Uh, something similar, yeah. They made all sorts <laughs> of fourth wall jokes. Wow, that would be a great segue if it was time for that. Or is it time for what? Nothing. Segui. I'm still reading. I'm still reading about. I can't believe they did a whole season of live television. <laughs> oh, on Fridays at eight seven central. Yes. <laughs> It actually, and it got killed in the ratings, like, really badly. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun, though. I went to a taping of it before it was live, and it was quite fun. Okay, so 
in other news, Kyle went to the junket for Solo, a so Star Wars. So it was story. the perfect segue. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Now I want to get like, so is the Solo branded Solo cups like the best marketing tie-in ever? Just about. Yeah. Maybe not the best, but well, yeah, you're probably good. right. But it's it's. I mean, particularly for a brand that like doesn't really lend itself to real world products that well like like it's not like black panther where he drives a lexus throughout the whole movie <laughs> like you really can't do that but you 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 can't have a cup named solo exactly so uh first of all i mean no spoilers because right we haven't seen it we'll probably but do that podcast I'm later pretty sure he makes the castle run in x number of parsecs i can't remember the number <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Millennium Falcon starts out as Lando's and becomes his. Is the car, is the card game in the movie? Is that a spoiler or I, mean, I don't know? Uh, yeah, I think there there think are definitely card games involved. Yeah, okay. You've seen trailers with card games. Yeah, I know. I just I guess that's why I realized it wasn't a spoiler. But yeah, I mean that's like a moment we've been waiting for. Yeah. Chewbacca's in the movie. Chewbacca is in the movie. Um, so are um, new characters, which uh, <laughs> are all very interesting in their own ways. Um, I think one of the, the scene stealers is uh, Lando's droid. Um, L3, L3? I think it's L337 or something. I think they just usually just say L3. Um You've got to have droids. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is... Uh, well, what no, happened that's... to her? What? What happened to her? What do you mean, what happened to her? She's not in Cloud City. Oh, I don't know. You are going to find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, decide, I'm trying to decide what's a, what's a real spoiler and what's just a fun fact. So uh, I so guess he, I'll just so hear clear. I got to tell you. So you gave, you gave the movie four out of five whatevers yeah what yeah uh nerf herders nerf herders um but you made me so excited to see this movie because you just teased that there's surprises and excitement and i can't wait because i gotta say with the prequels well you might not have known like there weren't a lot of surprises right palpatine's bad uh you know, Darth, he goes to the dark dark side. Like but I Yoda think... shows up. Like like nothing really really popped us as like mind blowing. There were cool moments. Yoda doing the whole lightsaber thing is pretty cool. But we didn't know because because I think George Lucas didn't know that it was uh, Obi Wan who defeated Darth Vader. I think we knew that, or at least I don't know if we, if we didn't know it, we knew that that was like. That was the fan theory forever. Was that they he was on Mustafar, and he they had an ultimate battle, and that's why he ended up in the suit. I've heard that long before prequels came out. Okay, because I like well, and and you know it's been a while since I've really thought much about the prequels, but that uh, Arrested Development style um, Star Wars video that Ron Howard did um, really kind of 
pointed out with with all of the uh i guess the inaccuracies between what what they reference in the original trilogy versus what happened in the prequels well i oh i don't think he knew it when they made a new hope well no i just feel like in this kind of in the time between jedi and when the prequels came out and people were just kind of hearing things through the grapevine that was always what like people said i don't know what it's based on i don't know if it was in some novelization and i don't you know i mean i'm not i like star wars but i'm not uh the biggest star wars encyclopedia but um, but you own the star wars encyclopedia well maybe i'll look it up but uh, uh and and with rogue one i feel like it gave us like insight and was different it wasn't just like a paint by numbers prequel Mm-hmm. And so, well, so like the thing with Rogue One is I feel like because it was a cast of unknowns, there was a lot more. I feel like I was much more excited for Rogue One than I am for Solo because I, I sort of went into it knowing that I don't know how the plans were captured other than I know the plans get captured. You know, and, and I think one of the things that made Rogue One so exciting, you know, made me want to go back and watch it over and over again was after you know, you realize uh, that it was it was successful yet unsuccessful all at the same time. Um, you know, and it's exciting to go back and kind of watch an adventure like that because there's not much like that in the Star Wars universe. But um, I guess with Solo, it, it like, I'm excited to see it. Don't get me wrong. I will be seeing this movie opening weekend. I'll probably see it a couple times. Um, but this one, I feel like because you know so much about Han Solo... You know um, quite a bit about Lando. Um, I don't know. I just I just feel like this one doesn't have the same like oh I've got to see this or I'm I'm not a true Star Wars fan kind of feel. As, I mean, as it tells a, a fun story. Like the thing that I was talking about when I, when I gave that big tease is that it's a it, you know it's a fun movie. It was a good way to spend a couple hours, but I realized um, at a certain point that if you've seen a heist movie or you've seen movies with some of these characters that are duplicitous and things like that, that these twists and aren't really twists, even as they, you know, are supposed to be misdirections and stuff, you can see right through them. But then shortly after I had that thought, something completely unexpected happened. And I mean, I saw this movie in a room full of critics, although they seemed like pretty nerdy critics several of them <laughs> in star wars apparel um isn't that the was... funniest thing like you're, you're like i'm gonna be professional i'm gonna go to this junket and see this movie and not act like a fanboy and then you go to the junket and they're all wearing like nerf herder t-shirts yeah um <laughs> but yeah there was a there was an audible gasp during the the thing that i'm talking about and then after the scene someone actually yelled out what <laughs> so, <laughs> i mean yeah i think it's definitely interesting i don't want to even like discuss the nature of it or what i'm thinking about it but uh it, once you see the movie I, i'm pretty sure i'll have a an article locked and loaded um just about more of my thoughts on that do you feel like they were trying to recap the um darth vader what um what there's there's that like viral video there's one part i think in a new hope 
where uh, like something happens, it shocks Darth Vader and goes, what? And so they've re-edited that into scenes like where he cuts people off instead of cutting them off with with a line. He just goes, what? <laughs> Apparently I did not watch enough YouTube. Well, that was, that was a big deal. A big deal. Huge. Nothing else fun. going on in the country. Um, we can all take five minutes out of our lives for that. <laughs> but so, so, so is it, there was a lot of talk of like the tone of this movie, like what's it going to be, particularly after they fire, fired uh, Lord and Miller. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's got to be bad if you fire the Lord. Um, well, how does it feel? Does, I mean, Rogue One felt, different than star wars but right. you know still kind of simpatico yeah no i uh, didn't really feel disjointed as far as like a singular work um i thought that it had um a bit of a grittier look to it than you might expect um especially when <laughs> there's things like you know a very polished and spanking new uh millennium falcon when we're used to seeing that sort of dingy so there's mm-hmm. kind of a contrast there um but i thought you know it it kind of fit in world uh and as far as the tone you know there's definitely funny parts i didn't think at any point it took itself too seriously but it also wasn't like irreverent humor um which you might expect from from lord and miller to a certain degree um the one thing i noticed uh or i thought that i noticed was in between the scene when we first meet lando and uh the next scene it sounded like he was doing a different type of uh, delivery, uh, almost like a different accent, and I wasn't sure if that if that was something that I had just like missed in the first one, or if that was for some other reason, or I kind of thought because uh, we did get confirmation in the uh, in the junket that the first scene was directed by Ron Howard, or at least a good portion of it. Um, so I wondered if maybe it was you know the performances were months apart and piece together and maybe that's kind of why maybe uh maybe donald decided to go a slightly different direction after under you know a different director so um do we know how much of this movie was reshot there's been lots of rumors the latest i saw was about 70 percent ron howard and in the junket he kind of said you know there was some stuff um that hadn't been done yet and some stuff that already worked and then he shot some stuff so he didn't really make that clear, but um, it sounded like some of the the bigger scenes he was able to kind of go in and and uh, play with and try to make it the way he saw it. So speaking of Donald Glover, Alex in his Black Panther review talked about how Lupita Nyong'o has completed the Disney triumvirate of Marvel, Star Wars, and Disney. Mm-hmm. And Donald Glover's about to do that. Is there a... Technically, he already has. Oh, you mean because because the Star Wars will make it? Well, Lion King is his Disney credit, right? He's like in going to be? Alexander and the Terrible No Good to Whatever Day. Oh, he was? Yeah. yeah he was oh, one of the guys the little, like, yeah. tech He's guys. one of the young execs or whatever. That's right. I forgot about that. He wasn't He wasn't a big deal then. <laughs> um, he was to me. But yeah, but he is... <laughs> Well, he is in Lion King, though, right? Yes. Disney Simba? Yeah. Old and then who is he in Marvel? He was he's... in uh, uh, Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming as 
Miles Morales's uncle. <laughs> He's also we sort the of voice of that? Miles Morales on the XD show. Yeah. yeah. Is Lupita doing TV yet? Has I, she done done a I Disney Channel? Has, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Kanata shows up in Rebels or something. That is true. Um, but yeah, like I, I referred to it as like the Disney equivalent of the EGOT. Uh, which for those unfamiliar is from 30 Rock and that's when you've won an Emmy, a Grammy and an Oscar and a Tony um, which Tina Fey is currently trying to do with Mean Girls on Broadway and um, What did she win an Oscar for? Well she hasn't yet but I think it gets her one step closer. She's got she's got Emmys uh, for Mean Girls because she could conceivably knock off uh, Tony and Grammy and then just needs her Oscar. What? Like we should name this. This should be our thing. It should be our thing. We should name this. But I've, I've thought about that. It's in a very public setting where any other fans that could beat us to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely thought about that with Lapita specifically, and then some others. And then I've also, I, I think it's always interesting to see when actors kind of join the fold and suddenly they're in like a bunch of Disney projects. And I wonder if that's intentional or if it's just kind of their trajectory and the fact that Disney is the hottest thing in town. So, you know, as you rise, you get to do these things. But uh, the latest one I was thinking of was Bobby Moynihan, how he joined the cast of DuckTales and then he was hosting that uh, Muppets thing at the bowl. And now I think he's in the new Star Wars uh, animated series. Yeah, he is. So it feels like he's just been absorbed into that, uh, into the family as far as the the TV side. So yeah, well, I think I think, I, but see, Bobby Moynihan to me, uh, I, I, he did an interview on the Star Wars show, which is like the Star Bobby Wars YouTube series. Moynihan. And he comes across like a fanboy, like a total fanboy, and to the point where when they did that sketch on SNL where they like the collectors were not letting kids play with their toys he like brought toys from his collection because he felt that they needed to be accurate and they didn't have money in the budget to like buy actual real toys <laughs> um so like i feel like part of that is it attracts you to those projects and it makes it easier to get a yes i mean obviously bobby morehand's not like the world's biggest star where he has you know no time on his hands but um like 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 I was reading about Lin Manuel Miranda and how they cast him on Ducktales by just asking because he loves Ducktales, and you know so he probably makes time out of his day. He probably doesn't get paid as much as he would for something else. And so when you have these incredibly popular franchises, people want to be a part of them. Yeah. Like like I'm sure Lin, I mean Lin Manuel Miranda, well in a manner of speaking, he already has Star Wars and Disney, so. They just need to have a having some Marvel thing, Makes but sense. we 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 should have like we should have a list like a page where we track this, and then but where does Pixar is like do we fold Pixar under Disney or is that like is a that Sam? Sam Jackson would be in. Sam Jackson would definitely be in. Where is my super suit? Sam Jackson's like should be the patron saint of this, because he did it before it was cool. Because <laughs> he was in the first episode of all of these cinematic universes. Do you count episode one as the first episode? That I count it as the first episode, yes. <laughs> Not necessarily the first installment, but definitely the first episode. Okay. Because <laughs> it's called episode one. Um, That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
we gotta we gotta think about this before we post the podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, speaking of Star Wars, though, I was actually at Disneyland um, this past week, and I finally, after all this time, got to do um, a lot of the newer scenes. So I got to see the Kylo Ren um, intro, and then I went to Jakku, and then I saw BB-8, and then I went to Crate, and then I went to Batu, <laughs> and it was all very exciting. So speaking of Batu, like the, like it's not becoming like it's going to be in several books. It's going to be in the next Thrawn book. Uh, some of these Disney um, kids books are going to have Batu in it. Um, so like it's it's kind of cool to see the land is going to be part of Star Wars storytelling. You know, it's not just some. I mean, it is some random land, but like I wonder if like they'll ever go to Batu in a movie after the fact. Like that'd be kind of cool, right? Yes. Yeah, it seems like it kind of, if they went to it in a movie, it kind of defeats the point of what they were trying to, why they decided to, to make it a land we hadn't seen before. But I guess if you're working backwards, it makes it a little easier. So, um, Kyle, you speaking, you were at Disneyland uh, recently. Yes, I was adjacent to what I think you're going to talk about. And so you got your first taste of Pixar Fest. That is not what I thought you were going to talk about, but yes, I did. What do you think about the fireworks? Because um, you I, feel the same way about the fireworks that I feel about the fireworks. I, th- I think I said, well, that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew I was going to be in trouble when it starts with Buzz Lightyear saying uh, to friendship and beyond. I was like, oh, so they're just really just going to shoe in, shoehorn in this uh, this friendship theme, aren't they? Um, I will say uh, I watched it from... Uh, the phantasmic area because i didn't feel like hanging out on main street so i kind of missed uh some of those cool elements over there but as far as like what was presented i didn't really nothing really stood out for me as far as the clips that they showed i thought it was weird that they don't use the most well-known and beloved song from coco especially like that's you figure would be a focal point since it is the most recent and it was this surprise hit um yeah but if they're doing if they're staying exclusively like remember me is is more of a family song than a friendship song and in poco loco is like the friendship song yeah but i don't know i didn't really buy that whole (laughs) that i don't know it was just kind of there nothing there was it was like okay yeah elements on main street and it, it you know it's fine for a fireworks show you know it does the whole stuff but it's a clip show with some boom booms. The, is what the, I think of what I said. The, the the whole to friendship and beyond thing just it just made it feel like uh, like it was just trying to push itself in places. You know, it was that this was definitely a show where they didn't say, "Ooh, I want to make a Pixar fireworks show." This is a show where they said, "We're gonna have Pixar Fest. We need to create a Pixar fireworks show." This is, uh, you know, I miss the fireworks shows where like believe or even remember where it just kind of, there was some sort of pacing to them. It wasn't, it wasn't, it it wasn't just a clip show. And it's not easy to do, but sometimes like the fireworks and the effects that they use actually do correlate nicely to the things like specifically in rumor dreams come true with the haunted mansion. They have, you know, spooky green and it has the 360 perimeter fireworks that are like the stretching room. And all those things are really cool. You don't really have anything, obviously, but save the the characters flying over the castle. There's nothing that really 
gives context to why the fireworks are doing what they're doing besides like well we need to match up to the music or we need to have fireworks because it is a fireworks show yeah so um just a couple other things i wanted to talk about i do want to briefly and i know this is um probably not the most exciting thing but give a little update on where we stand business-wise uh, they announced earnings uh, about a week ago, and uh, you know it seems like Comcast is preparing to make an offer for uh, Fox, and at the same time they've already made an offer for Sky, which is part of Fox, and it just gets very confusing, and I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. Uh, but they did launch ESPN Plus, going full head first into direct to consumer. We don't know where how successful ESPN plus is. Um, I have it because I want, I'm curious. And, you know, I, if you're a soccer fan or you're a boxing fan, I can see it being a big, a cool deal. But if you're just sort of more of a casual sports fan, probably not a lot there for you. And, um, unless you really like 30 for 30s, like I do. Yeah. Well, and if you look, I mean, it's only $50 a year. So, so, you know, it's easy to, what the heck, but, like, for example, you get one Major League Baseball game a day, which is great to watch Major League Baseball, but it might not be a team you care about or even a game you care about. It's not like I can buy my team and just watch my team, which you can do directly from Major League Baseball for more money. But so it's just like if you don't happen to like that game, you're out. I mean, I do like how some of their it allows them to do more in-depth stuff. Like they have some great hockey programming and some great soccer programming that probably wouldn't cut it on television. But so if you're I mean, if you're a fan of soccer, this is great because you get all of the major league soccer games, a lot of international soccer, a lot of soccer like what do you call it studio shows. But if you don't like soccer, uh, it might leave a little bit to be desired. But that being said, they might also be ramping in because it seems like every day they're announcing some new programming that's coming to. ESPN Plus. So, um, you know, who knows what's going to be. But, you know, I will say Bob said that they are kind of still in the learning phase. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they do. But as a Disney fan, I got to say ESPN Plus does make me even more excited for Disney OTT because, like, there's some deep cuts on ESPN Plus. Like, there's some stuff that, you know, some things that, Almost no one. I mean, I don't know how many people are watching 2:45 a.m. cricket, but like as a Disney fan, I love that. So, um, not not cricket, but like random episodes of the Mickey Mouse Club, like from the 50s, would be cool. Or you know, so I'm hoping That's that, what they, I want. that they use this as an opportunity to um, broadcast stuff that just would never have the ratings pull to be just broadcast linearly. How about every episode ever of The Torkelsons and Almost Home? You know who should have a Disney Channel original series? Disney Channel? No, no. Like, like you know how they're like taking like former teen stars and giving them like shows where they play a mom now? Yeah. Allison Mack. Um, no. I think that'd be cool. I think not. Inspired by True Life. No. Uh how about now? But her her Disney her Disney work is limited to Honey We Shrunk Ourselves, right? True. 
Okay. But that is a classic. It is a classic, and it did enjoy many re-airings on, on Disney Channel. But I would say we don't work with her anymore. <laughs> did you hear what Freeform's doing uh, this holiday season? I Well, by the holiday season, do you mean the... 31 days of Halloween. Yes, because as Isaiah Mustafa, Freeform Santa, told us, why have 13 days of Halloween when you can have 31 days of Halloween? Including... Well, it's exciting because there simply weren't enough times to play Hocus Pocus in the 13-day <laughs> window. Well, they have to air it 25 times this year. Well, they better. It's a milestone anniversary. To celebrate it's 25th anniversary wait a minute i love that idea how about they re-release the movie and finally give us some bonus features there's also going to be a decorating disney halloween special starring future disney legend no a current disney legend whoopi goldberg Ooh. Mustafa. and and so and uh then so it's, it's going to be starting october 1st like I guess the Freeform realizes no one cares about Freeform outside of the holidays. So, That's so true. Jimmy Kimmel does. He I says he's been a big fan since he heard about it 20 minutes ago. I occasionally have to review new content on Freeform, and outside of their holiday content, rarely do I enjoy it. Now, I will say that Freeform does get decent ratings, particularly if you look at delayed viewing. Siren <laughs> seems to be very successful. But... I saw it got picked up for a second season. But so October 1st through October 31st will be uh, the 31 days of Christmas or 31 nights of Halloween. Then November 1st through November 30th will be 60 days uh, of Christmas. It's called like a countdown to Christmas. Well, they've been doing that. Like usually they start that mid November. Yeah. And I think they used to call it like countdown to 25 days of Christmas. Now I just think they're like, they're branding it something different. And then December 1st through theoretically December 25th, is the 25 Days of Christmas, not only on Freeform, but also Disney Channel, Disney Junior, ABC, presumably Disney Now, and whatever other channel we launch by then. And the um, OTT. OTT, well, not, not this year, but maybe next year. The um, exclusive place you can see Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of content. <gasps> but also during Christmas... There's going to be two, count them, two Freeform original movies. One, two. Are any starring Melissa Joan Hart? I don't believe so. Brenda Song? I don't believe so. Okay. But one is one that you're going to care deeply, deeply, deeply about. Who, me? Yes, because I know you just cannot wait to see... This movie, and because it's called Sleeping Together, an unexpected and whimsical holiday rom-com about two insomniac strangers plagued by exhaustion. After a brief meeting, they discover that they can only fall asleep if they are sleeping next to each other. What seems like an odd coincidence and, frankly, a disruption to their lives might be more meaningful than they'd like to admit. Who's the star? It didn't say. It all depends on that. I, otherwise, I'm uninterested. Although I do know who stars in the other Freeform original holiday film. Who that is? T-Rut. Life-Size 2. Tyra Banks. Life-Size 2. 
OMG, it's holiday? Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's got to be, there's gotta be where, a log line somewhere in here. This is where I question their decision making because Life Size 2 has a built in audience to give them a ratings boost in, say, the spring, far away from this three month ratings juggernaut. But I guess it's a Christmas movie. So it'd be weird to do it in February. That's weird. In the in the that in the sequel, the in the sequel, Evie has grown up. Series. Is it Evie or Eve? Eve. Eve, Eve has grown I, up. Eve. This time she's magically awakened by a young woman. How and, young and, is she? It's well, I don't know, but the 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 press release is grammatically incorrect. But she's wasn't supposed to be a decom. Uh, I always knew it was as, as a freeform thing. When they when they announced it, I could have sworn it was destined for Disney Channel. Wasn't Life Size on Disney Channel originally? No, Life Size was on ABC's. Oh, movie. that's right. Yeah, well, this it one's on a rerun on Disney Channel. Zonda Remember when Disney, Disney used to make original movies for ABC? Yes, I miss those days so much, and I am hoping all of that content is on uh, the OTT, and then everyone can finally look at Justin Timberlake's terrible hair and model behavior as many times as they'd like, because it's never been available digitally. I'm, the Tower Terror movie was on there. Tower Something Terror called... movie is awesome. Tower the Terror t- movie at least was on DVD and is still in print, so you can mm-hmm. access it quite easily. And I think you can actually get it on iTunes. A Leslie Nielsen movie called Safety Patrol. Safety Patrol was great. It had Bug Hall, um, who was Alfalfa in the Little Rascals movie. He was also in the Lindsay Lohan decom Get a Clue. Um, I mean, there were so many great Wonderful World of Disney ones. I was obsessed, for whatever reason, with Murder, She Purred, starring Ricky Lake. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that one. Um, there was the Beverly Hills Family Robinson. Do you remember that one? Had Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, right before Buffy. I remember Phenomenon 2. I don't remember Phenomenon <laughs> 2. I remember all of the Angels in the Outfield sequels. Um, what about the new Barefoot Executive? I forgot about that. There was that one. There was the remake of The Love Bug, which was, like, it was weird. It was, like, a sequel slash remake because Dean Jones was in it as himself. It took place in the year 2000. Um, and like had evil Herbie. Anybody remember that? I do All remember that. Confessions movie. of an Ugly Stepsister. That is such a good movie. That was great. Um, yeah, there were a lot of great ones. Balloon Farm. Um, there's but, some things that were were technically Hallmark movies that they Disney branded that aren't actually Disney, like the Kristen Kruick Snow White and Dinotopia. Um, so some things get into kind of a gray area. There was like an updated Nancy Drew. Um, oh gosh for a while they would release them on VHS as like blockbuster exclusive rentals and so I have I have a VCR <laughs> and one of the reasons I haven't gotten rid of a VCR is I have quite a few of those still on VHS uh, I had some of the DCOMs too because they released them the same way but then they put all those digitally so I should probably purge the standard def fuzzy VHSs <laughs> I feel like Bill Cotter has to come back for like the OTT and write the book about um, the Disney OTT service. But, oh, yeah, Bill Cotter definitely should update his Wonderful World of Disney Television book um, since there's been like now that book was almost 20 years ago. And that book is awesome because it, it fills in the gaps of a lot of things um, or, or just lets you know that like 
there was a revival of Zorro in the in the 80s. Who knew? Zorro um, and Son. Yeah. All kinds of crazy stuff. Um, there were also some things. I don't know if they were ABC or if they were made for Disney Channel, but there were some movies in the earlier 90s, I think in between Wonderful World of Disney's Gap. Um, and that included remakes of Freaky Friday with Shelley Long. There was a uh, Escape to Witch Mountain remake with young Eric Von Detten. Um, I feel like there was one other like 70s era Disney film. I think they redid like Computer War Tennis Shoes with the boy from The Boy Who Could Fly. Why wouldn't you? Well, you, you should. And you got the and then all all the not quite human movies were those for Disney Channel. I thought they were Disney Channel, but I don't know if I I mean, I felt they like they were on Disney on Channel, Disney but Channel. I don't know if they and it were actually on Disney Channel or just re-aired on Disney Channel cuz I I feel like I remember the VHSs though having Disney's name on them. I think they own them. Speaking Google. of Disney Channel, I know none of us were there, but do you guys want to talk about that Disney Channel Go Fan Fest thing? Yes, we do. What was that? I had no I had no clue it was happening, and then all of a sudden I see. No one seems to care about it. We because so so basically Disney Channel is doing this promotion. And it's called like Disney Channel Go Summer. So they posted about that, and as part of that, they announced a the first ever Disney Channel Go Fan Fest at the Disneyland Resort. And we posted about that, and you know at first we just have on our tweet like that it was half that like that Disney Channel Go Fest coming. Nobody cared. And then we're like, well, maybe we should highlight like that there's going to be the cast of DuckTales reading a script for the show. And we tweeted that, and nobody cared. So I don't know how many people actually knew that this was happening, but basically on last weekend, um, on Saturday, they basically had this festival. So it was there was a few different components to it. So the first thing was that there was a cavalcade down Main Street with um, stars from some of the various shows and DCOMs and stuff. And then there was also a day of panels. Uh, so I think there was one for Stuck in the Middle and Andy Mack. Um, there was the DuckTales uh, live script read. Um, and then there was something about zombies and the upcoming Freaky Friday. Um, and then there was like Bunked and Bizardvark, I think. Um, and I feel like there's one I'm missing, but anyway. Uh, so they had these panels, and they also had some like meet and greet opportunities and signings and stuff that uh, you need to get wristbands for. But I just thought it was uh, first of all, we have full video of the um, of the different panels, but specifically the Ducktales one on our YouTube channel, and it's hilarious. Like uh, it's funny. It's only a 15 minute episode, but of course they stretch it to like a half hour because they're they're uh, playing around and stuff. But it just seemed like a really interesting idea. Like you said, I, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it, it wasn't like too heavily promoted, uh, but it really feels like something that could be... Uh, for, Jeremiah covered it for us, and he had a great time even beyond the DuckTales panel and thought that it was could easily be expanded and become kind of like they used to do with like soap opera weekends and things like that. So uh, I think it's definitely something to watch. Was it Was it well attended? Uh, he didn't really have much indication, but I, from what I saw, it seemed like, you know, there's enough people there that, that knew about it. I mean, obviously you have a lot of APs in uh, Disney, and so having it on a Saturday, they can bring out their kids to see their favorite stars. Um, it was held at stage 17, so not a huge space to fill. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I was nervous about that because 
I mean, I, I don't know how popular this thing is, but like if you go to the expo, the Disney Channel stuff is always crazy attended. And so I was just thinking that like it, everything was going to sell out really fast. Yeah, I think the, the panels were easier to get into, uh, but I, I expect that the, the signings and stuff. But then, you know, you did have the, the cavalcade, which was kind of nice, gave people a chance to, to see them either way. Uh, Jeremiah did say there was like one sort of, I'm I'm, not, I'm unclear on whether they were clearing the hall each time, and so you kind of had to pick a panel, or if people were allowed to stay. But I guess there was some discrepancy towards the end, and people were upset about a specific thing. But you know, those things are always bound to happen. I don't think it was like a big thing. I think it was just like you know a few people. <laughs> yeah, I I mean it was I would I couldn't attend because but I I love I mean. I don't watch all the Disney Channel series, but I love it when people get to experience, um, you know, their 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 fandom, right? And so I was kind of bummed I couldn't get to go, but well, I mean, we got coverage on Laughing Place. We're actually, it's I'm actually amazed at how little coverage there is about this. Yeah, I um, mean, I I think not to get too no, inside baseball, but I think Jeremiah said we were one of only like two fan sites that that were that decided to cover it as media. I mean, um, now this was a fan event or a media event. It was a, I mean, it was open to the public. It's just, we had media credential for it. So we got to, you know, go to all the panels and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was open to, if you showed up that day and went to the right place at the right time, you were welcome to watch these things. Wow. And then yeah, I mean, no it, additional it was charge guest, I mean, or was it, there? It was not a media event. It was a guest event. It was that media attended, but it okay. was not, it was designed as something you could go to Disneyland to do. Yeah, wow. it was free. I mean, this almost sounds like some of the things that they used to do in the 90s to try and drive attendance. Um, only this would be like driving attendance out of the parks. Was this at the Disneyland Hotel? Like the no, actual... the, the panels were at Stage 17 in DCA. Oh, wow. And then... Um, Stage 17, also known as... Millionaire. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the cavalcade was on Main Street. I uh, while you guys were talking, I was looking up some things. So the uh, the boy from the boy who could fly slash not quite human was not in the remake of uh, Computer War Tennis Shoes. That was Kirk Cameron, but he is from Oakland, California, which is right in our backyard, and is now a pastor. And then I was also looking at the list of other films. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. So the guy that you got confused with Kirk Cameron is a pastor. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Um. They. They. I mean, if if you could confuse them, then you could confuse them now. <laughs> the other thing is, I was looking at the list of like what other TV movies were there around this time, and one of them that has just an unforgettable word, earworm of a theme song is "My Date with the President's Daughter." My date with the President's Daughter. Oh yeah. Um. There's some really good ones in here. There's the uh, Disney Legend starring. Uh, Night in Camelot with Whoopi Goldberg, which is pretty I remember great. that one. That it's, one was it started awesome. with, she brought in me with scions. It did, yes. Um, and then, of course, the Justin Timberlake, Kathy Lee Gifford vehicle model behavior. Um, Geppetto, an original musical. I think the one and only original musical that they did in that era of, of doing musicals. Um, the Growing Pains movie. Does Disney own Growing Pains as a series? Well, it was ABC. I don't think so. I think they just branded okay. it as... Um, yeah. 
There's also the Leslie Nielsen holiday, perennial holiday classic, which never airs on Freeform's 25 Days of Christmas, called Santa Who. There's Kira Knightley's debut role as the daughter of Robin Hood in Princess of Thieves. Uh, Child Star, The Shirley Temple Story, a film about making Fox films, directed by Melissa Joan Hart. So I, I'm going. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, while you were talking, I was reading. When remember when they announced this Disney Channel Go Fan Fest? They also announced Disney Channel Go Road Trip that would be going across the country, and you could visit DisneyChannelRoadTrip.com from May 12th through June 12th to cast your vote as to where you'd like Disney Channel Go Road Trip to visit. Do you remember writing that up, Kyle? Uh, that was my wife. But yes. Okay. So if you go to DisneyChannelRoadTrip.com, it just forwards you to Disney Channel or DisneyNow.go.com. So did that not happen? I don't know. Sounds like not. And now I'm curious as to what's going on. Sounds <laughs> like Disney enough, Channel got in trouble. When I Google Disney like... Channel Road Trip, I get College Road Trip. <laughs> <laughs> looks like the last, oh, like... Raven's Home was one of the other panels, by the way. Raven! <laughs> was, was Raven and Annalise there? Uh, Raven was. I would have fanboyed out. Uh, it looks like the last year of Disney doing the ABC Wonderful World of Disney movies was 2005, which brought us just The Muppets Wizard of Oz, which I don't recommend anybody watch ever, and Once Upon a Mattress, which I do highly recommend, which also brought um, what's-his-name from uh, Glee kind of into prime time for the first time, Matthew Morrison. James Vanderbeek? Matthew Morrison. Oh. And it was also before Zoe Deschanel was anything. <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment. Um, she has her, or had her, Fox show. What's that? Which could... He had her Fox show. Is new? I don't even know if it's still on. New Girl? I, don't I gave think up it's on it. It's last season. I think it's like no. last episodes in a couple weeks. It's no longer new. Old Girl. She's still a girl? Old Girl. That's Old Girl. <laughs> the TV series. Old Girl. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Kyle's about to head to Paris. Paris. Yes. heading to L.A. Yep. Back to L.A. Yeah. To see uh, Frasier play Lumiere and hopefully not fall off the stage. <laughs> well, you realize that what was is? like that was 13 years ago. Um, it was more than that, wasn't it? Like the opening of DCA? No, it wasn't opening DCA. It was the um, 50th anniversary. Oh, okay. And I, I think it was yeah, because the 50th anniversary started in May, so it would have been just about 13 years ago. Um. Well, that's unlucky. <laughs> of course, you know. So the Hollywood Bowl doesn't have weird star cutouts on the edge of the stage. So, so and then so you're you're, go, you're going to so here's what the Burbai are doing. They're going to be going to Disneyland Resort to get a preview of Pixar Pier. Then they're going to go see Solo, a Star Wars story at the El Capitan Theater. Then they're going to go and. See Beauty and the Beast at the Hollywood Bowl, including the debut, the public debut of what's it called? D. 
What's the name of their new that new group? Oh, oh De Capella. Uh, De Capella. What what a terrible name, by the way. <laughs> and then um and then I, how long are you home? Like three days? Uh, we get back on Saturday and leave on Tuesday. Okay. I have a I have a question about De Capella. Because uh-huh. Pentatonix does a lot with Disney. Was Pentatonix simply not interested in doing a Disney cover album? Is Pentatonix still around? Aren't they? Well, isn't De Capella doing like a whole like tour for Disney? Yeah. I don't think uh, Pentatonix would commit to that. They could tour with the album. Like, what is, what do you mean by tour? Like, where are they going? I think they're opening for different things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just completely guessing. Actually, I don't even I just, know why I'm like, talking. I guess I just don't understand this. Well, I I I, I gotta say though, it's doing very like the, that video is doing is. very well. Yeah, no, it's it's doing really well. I I remember seeing it on um, uh, American Idol, and proud to say, if you just Google De Capella, we're the fourth article. Well, look at us hitting the big time. I know. So then, and then you're going to Paris. Uh huh. To do fan days. And then I saw come... Shelly May is going to be out and about or out and about. Yeah, Shelly May and um... Hortensia. Yep. Hortensia is going to be out. Yep. They have a walk around Hortensia. They're making one. <laughs> oh. And there's a Ducktales parade. And then mm-hmm. a power, uh, and then a like a goofy movie dance party. What? Which someone's going to have to get on YouTube. They're going to have to uh, like put some EDM beat under it, right? You can't really like dance to Open Road. You could do eye to eye. That's true. Do the perfect cast, and uh, I guess you can stand out. You can kind of dance too. And today I found out the event's going to be from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. What? Wiki wiki what? Yeah, it's going to be so late that it'll almost be. Well, actually, I don't remember what time it'll be back here. (laughs) So I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, Does this counteract your like sleep adjustment schedule, or does it work in your advantage, like adjusting to that time zone? Um, I don't know. My schedule's going to be all messed up anyway because we get into town at 6 a.m. and I'm seeing Ben Folds that night. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to be gone for a bit as Kyle gets reacclimated, but probably at the beginning of June. I will have a podcast. Like 12 days in my home this month. <laughs> wow, look at you, Jet Setter. Apparently. Why are you even paying rent? Because it's cheap. <laughs> I can afford to. <laughs> Fanboy, okay. that's the stuff. I'm going to put a plug in this one and uh, <laughs> say, uh, say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have, we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll talk Solo. We'll talk Incredibles. We'll talk Pixar. We'll talk, I'm sure, some Disney crazy thing they announce in the next two to three weeks. Hortensia um, coming but, to local Disneyland parks. And uh, I look forward to meeting up with you guys again. So have, have a great week. And... Uh, Till next time, Whiskey Cavalier.